Hi, this is Eli Nelson, and this is the My City Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. It is our prayer that this message will awaken you to come alive in the things of Christ. Enjoy the message. Turn to the person next to you and say, this is going to be really good for you. It's going to be really good for you. That's good, bro. Good guys. Hey, I got to tell you, man, worship team, you guys are just rocking. Give them a hand. And uh, all weekend, the, the ministry was great. But I've, I've got to tell you another thing. Your setup crew, your AV people are stellar. Would you give them a hand? And so the only time we notice them is when the mic doesn't work. You know, it's like, hey, where'd that slide go? And, uh, but they are stellar. And the only way this happens, just say this, because I travel the world, I've been in I've been in 86 countries. We have ministry in over 100 nations of the world. I was telling the guys the other day, I'll show you a photo in a minute from Brazil, but uh, we've got ministry in Indonesia. Over a million and a half men have gone through intensives like what we did this last weekend uh, through a book my father wrote called Maximized Manhood, What It Is to Be a Real Man, The Five Deadly Sins That Stop Every Man from Fulfilling Their Destiny. And over a million and a half, and watch this, 15 years ago, Indonesia, 330 million people, about the same size as the United States, considered the largest Muslim nation on earth, 96% Muslim. Today, 15 years later, Indonesia, right now, is over 30% followers of Jesus Christ. I'm just telling you, some stuff's happening, man. Things are happening, but the only way that these men come on this stage, and the only way that happens is you have visionary leaders. And I want to tell you that you are, as a church, blessed with the pastors, uh, Eli and Kelly. Uh, you are abundantly blessed. I, yeah, come on, come on, come on. So... Uh, you know, the, the music thing you guys did this summer, I had somebody send it to me. It wasn't because I was on a C3 thread or, you know, something like I'd had somebody send it to me from somewhere else going, dude, look what they're doing in Omaha. Look what's happening in Omaha. Like that whole music thing, it was blowing up. I mean, it went viral among a lot of the people I hang out with. And then I'm like, I'll bet. I'll bet you anything, it's those guys. And it was. It was you. Turn to, turn to somebody and just say, it was us. It was us. And uh, we, uh, my father started a ministry, and I bring you greetings from my family. I don't know if we have a shot of my family, but maybe I sent it to you. I don't know. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Dude, uh, Man, my wife is hot. Yeah, I just like, uh, that's her right there. And uh, we've been married, <laughs> married, we've been married 52 years. Is that awesome? And uh, so my son, Brandon, upper right, he's a pastor at C3 Fort Worth. My son next to me is a worship pastor and leader. He's got a new uh, album dropping on Spotify the end of August. And on the left, uh, my son works with Gateway, pastor of prisons, and then my daughters and grandkids, and I've got nine grandchildren in total. And uh, so I bring you greetings uh, from them. And uh, what we do around the world with our ministry, Christian Men's Network, is our goal is to raise up a new generation of men who know how to love their children. 
And uh, our goal is to raise up 100 million, 100 million fathers over the next 100 years. And as uh, somebody says, you won't live that long. I say, yeah, but the legacy will. You see, what a man does in life becomes history, but what he puts into motion becomes his legacy. Amen? Turn to somebody and say, dude, you should have written that down. Why didn't you write that down? You didn't write that down? And so that's what we do with Christian Men's Network. We have some resources and, and tools and books and materials that are here. It's not about selling books. It's about getting things into our heart. Because Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart, because out of your heart comes your life. And the thing that we're trying to do is, is not, see, religion takes our hands and tries to change this from the outside in. Government tries to dictate our hands, changes from the outside in. But Jesus changes our heart because what's in your heart is eventually what you'll do with your hands. So when the heart's changed, then the hands change. It's always about the heart. And so uh, raising up a generation. So, uh, so we have materials and, and books and resources. and We've got about 8,000 men's groups meeting across Brazil. And put that picture of that couple that I was standing with. Uh, okay, so this is Jose, which is the harsh J in Portuguese. Jose and Maria. And we're in uh, Curitiba, Brazil. And they had just gotten up and, and done a little God story, you know, of what had happened in their lives. And doesn't she look like a precious lady? And she gets up, and she's standing there with her husband. And she says, and they're talking about what had happened because he started going to men's groups, and his life changed, and everything's new, and and she said, she said, you know, he's a new man. And then she says, you know, because every day, for 10 years, every morning I would wake up and pray, dear God, please make me a widow. That sweet lady, like, make me a widow. So Jose's standing there. And he, I don't know if he knew this story. And he goes, whoa, you could see him kind of react. So I wanted a picture with him. Jose gets up. Jose gets up and he goes, well, I thank God for this ministry. Learn what it is to be a man. Changed my family. And apparently it saved my life. <laughs> so, so I love what we do and what God's. My background's media and marketing. And, uh, but, man, I love what my dad started. Uh, he passed away 22 years ago. But there's more people reading his books today around the world than when he was alive. Isn't that cool? Very cool. January of 1964, there was a man named uh, James Stockdale. He was a vice admiral, jet fighter pilot, flying over Vietnam. Highest ranking man ever shot down over Vietnam. 1964, for the next eight years, he endured tremendous abuse. Uh, we've heard, many of you have heard about the Hanoi Hilton and those places. We'll be there in a month from now, training over 2,000 pastors of how to disciple men in Vietnam. But he was tortured and abused and beaten. After eight years, he was set free. A reporter came to him and said, uh, Commander Stockdale, you must have been optimistic to be one of the few that actually made it through eight years of this thing. John McCain was, was one of the other ones who was his cellmate. He said, no, I wasn't optimistic. He said, in fact, the optimist died. He said, what do you mean? He said, well, the optimist thought we'll be out by Christmas, and then they weren't out, and they were disappointed. Optimists said, well, we'll be out by Easter, and they weren't out, and they were disappointed. And pretty soon they lost hope. You see, 
faith never gives up. And faith always defeats fear. And faith is simply trusting God. And he said, I had faith I would get out. So when the times came that I thought were marking points, I just kept faith. Fear is one of the greatest tools of the enemy. Fear is one of the greatest tools of the enemy. And fear easily comes on us. And we see over and over Jesus and the others speaking about negative mindset. We talked about it over the last few days. See, the issue with the negative mindset is what we, what we begin to think of is the fear and what could happen. Didn't happen. Hasn't happened. But we begin to believe it will happen. Negative by nature. In fact, I don't know if you've noticed, like, there's a political process going on. I don't know. Has it reached Omaha? You know, people running for president, all that kind of thing. Have you ever noticed that a lot of the advertising is negative? Why is that? Because it works. Because we're negative by nature. We easily believe negative. That's why rumors and accusation and innuendo travel so fast. This gets on us. Easily negative. Negative talk resonates with the unsanctified heart. Jesus said in Luke 21, there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. Seeing the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from what? From fear. And what is fear? The expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Men's hearts are stopped because of fear. Not because of what's happening, but because of what they think will happen. See, a foundation, without the foundation of the word of God, we're sort of like the autumn leaves blown before the wind of this world. Blown back and forth. Faith, see, faith is believing what you cannot see will come to pass. Fear is believing what you cannot see will come to pass. Thanks, bro. Watch this. Faith, it's the same definition, but there's two different kingdoms, and that is the battle that you and I arrived in the middle of. Faith, that's why we want to be people of faith. That's why pastor continually is bringing us back to that center point of trusting God, of being in Christ of being a new creation in him. You're not an ex-anything, you're a new creation. You're not that person you used to be. You're a new creation. It's two kingdoms, the enemy and Jesus. Kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light. Kingdom of fear, kingdom of hope. Kingdom of lust, kingdom of love. Kingdom of stress, kingdom of trust. Kingdom of death, the kingdom of resurrection life. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this. It says, the Lord has not given you a spirit of Come on, somebody, a spirit of fear, but of what? Power, love, and self-discipline. Could have left the self-discipline part off. But that's who we are, right? Because what we have to, what you and I need to do, and what we must do is center ourselves in the Word of God so we begin to build a positive, faith-filled mindset. So when we see something, our, our default, we talked about it the last couple of days, that our default is not negative, our default is faith. Romans 6.10, one of the brothers said it up here, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. See, this is not somewhere someday. 
when you became a follower of Christ, at that moment, the Bible says everything that's in Christ dropped into you. John 14, 12, Jesus said the same things I did, my disciples will do. Who's he talking about? Turn to the person next to you and say he's talking about you. Talking about you. So here's a word. Write this down. I am right now. I am right now. I just want to set the scene and, and sort of set it up for us. I am right now. Everybody say it. I am right now. I am right now. And, uh, you know, our self-talk screams along so fast, man. I just, I can, I can speak maybe, I'm, I don't know. Right, about 160 words a minute. I think Pastor Edel, I can wrap at 240. We can read about 200 words a minute. But you know, self-talk is screaming along about 400, 500 words a minute. You know, so those things you put in your heart is what, you know, it's what we talked about the last couple of days. Identity, your definition is how you make decisions. All behavior follows belief. What you believe about God, what you believe about others, what you believe about yourself. So definition produces decisions, which produces your destiny. And your definition is your identity. It's the story you tell yourself about yourself. And the problem is, for most of us, we're telling ourselves a story that somebody else wrote the lyrics to. That's why the conversion process is a process, because you're immediately grafted in. You become a follower of Christ, boom, you're in, right then. Bam, done. But how many of us know some of our stuff needs to change? Every know some of our speech needs to like shift a little bit. Every know some of our habits needed to just maybe maybe 90, you know, maybe 180. Right? Need to change. You still get a little upset. This thing rises up. Guy cuts you off on the freeway, you know. Yeah. The guy cuts you off, you kind of wave at them like you're number one. You know. Come on, don't get holy on me. Don't get holy on me. So let me set the scene. Jesus has a, a best friend named Lazarus who lives in Bethany. And uh, in fact, I believe that Jesus and Lazarus were such good friends that Jesus didn't make him a disciple. That he needed somebody to decompress with. Like he needed to hang out Lazarus. Now, not only that, not only that, but, G but Lazarus had two sisters. <laughs> One could cook, and the other was dangerous. So I think it was a great place to hang out. A lot going on there. And I think he just needed a place where he could just sit down, relax, have a cup of coffee. Lazarus, hang out, and go, dude, you should have seen Peter. Lazarus is like, yeah, I heard about that. Like he walked, like, dude, yeah, he got out of the boat. It was incredible. What happened then? I started to sing. What'd you do? Lazarus says. Jesus goes, I don't know. I dragged him a little bit. Kind of cool. Got him back in the boat. Right? He goes, uh, you know, like uh, James and John. And Lazarus is like, uh, what's going on with them? Jesus is like, and her mom showed up, man. And if she shows up one more time, they're both out. You know, I mean, you just got to have that, that person you just hang with, and you just don't have to be on. And that was Lazarus for Jesus. I believe that, and I think it's backed up a little bit by theologians, maybe a little. 
But, but that sets the scene for what's about to happen as we walk into John chapter 11, is that here's this guy who's, who they're, they're close. They've spent time together. They've agonized together. They've prayed over things together. Jesus is, has brought some of the stuff to him, maybe to, between things, going, man, this is, this is just, this is a really difficult moment. Lazarus is like, man, let's pray together. And so here's this, Here's these friends, and they're tight. And now Jesus is in another city, and he's about a six-hour walk away, right? So this is what everybody did back then. It's just you walked there. You, you, you traveled that way, which is why, uh, remember, there was that wedding feast, the first miracle of Jesus, the wedding at Cana, and, and they had the water jars at the front, you know, and they washed people's feet, and that was the whole part of the thing. Jesus washed the disciples' feet at the Last Supper, and and so that's why you always had water there, because people were always walking. And so Jesus is about six hours away or so, something like that, and he's in a different place, and he gets word. He comes to the disciples, gets word, and, and uh, says, uh, you know, that your best friend is about to die, man. It's, it is not good. And Jesus is like, whoa, that's, uh, okay, I'll be there in a minute. Right? As, and his disciples go, no, 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 did you not hear what the guy said? Like, he's, like, he could die any minute. Jesus, no, 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 I got it, I got it. Anyway, it's about four days. Four days. Now, one of the things about trusting God is that God's always on time. But he misses some great opportunities to be early. Can I get an amen? Right? So that's, like, we have to move sometimes from faith to just trust. I had faith, but now I trust. And Jesus and the guys are like, dude, don't you want to leave now? Can you imagine this, the second day, like, dude, you're Lazarus, man. He's probably, no, no, I got it. It's a setup. See, God will put us in some places where we have to trust him. And so he, so he then journeys four days, and, and there's a lot of little Things in there having to do with how often, how long the uh, Jewish people believed the spirit stayed in the body and so forth and so on. But by this, by this point, as they say in New Jersey, Lazarus is dead, dead. He's just dead, dead. All right, John chapter 11, you ready? John chapter 11 from the Message Bible. Jesus is showing up, and Martha shows up outside. Now, Martha's the one that could cook. She's the one that's busy. She's an admin person. Mary's like the one that, you know, did the, the oil on his feet and all that sort of thing, his hair, and, and she's like the worship person. Everybody goes, yeah, Mary was awesome. Martha was in the kitchen, and everybody gives Martha a bad time. But, dude, if you're going to build a business or build a church, who do you want? Martha. Let's hear it for the Marthas. So Martha, but Martha also is like, she's a little tight. So she shows up. Jesus has not even arrived. He's now going to where Lazarus is. And Jesus hasn't even arrived. And Martha shows up on the road outside. And Martha says, Master. And I can just see it sort of like that, right? Master, boom. If you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Yeah, you know, even now, I know whatever you ask, God, he will give you. It's sort of a throwaway. Yeah, you know, you weren't here. He's dead. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you could do something. Probably not. Right? That's not like a big word of faith right there. 
And Jesus said, your brother will be raised up. Martha replied, I know that he will be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. See that? And then here's Jesus. You don't have to wait for the end. Everybody say it. I am right now. I am right now. Jesus said, I am right now resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. Now, there's a lot of different translations about all of that. I'm the resurrection and the life. But the bottom line, what he said to her is, I am right now. I'm going to emphasize that. I want to get that in our self-talk. I am right now. The power that created the universe is here right now. The one who created the mountains and the oceans is telling us, I am when? Not somewhere in the by and by. And here's the other thing. Not when you get your act together. Not when you get everything right. Not when you've been like solid for six hours straight. Good. Now I'm going to pray. No, I am right now. Where is God? I am right now. Where's hope? I am right now. Where's peace? I am right now. Where's healing? I am right now. To a world in total chaos, God says, I am right now. To you personally, I am right now. I was, uh, as, a, as a journalist uh, for a number of years and, and with our company and so forth that we've built over the years, uh, ended up in some really different places. And some of them were in the middle of some revolutions, Nicaragua and some other places. And, uh, you know, people shooting things. And uh, so I was in the middle, of, we had these, uh, I was in Israel uh, during the Hezbollah uprising back in the early, mid-2000s, uh, 2006. And so... Um, Rockets were coming in. Things were happening. And when they fired the Katusha rockets out of southern Lebanon into Israel, they, they would have them on the... And I saw the IDF, Israeli Defense Forces. I saw their footage that, because I was privy to that. And I watched them come out, take a jeep with, with these like 40 rockets, small rockets on the back of them, and just set them all off, pointing them in a direction. But they had no idea where they were going. No idea. It's called asymmetrical warfare. Asymmetrical warfare, which means you don't know where it's going to arrive. See, that's the power of terrorism. You don't know when, you don't know where, it's asymmetrical. And that is the warfare that the enemy has against you and me. Asymmetrical. I remember coming up one time on a house that had just had uh, just been hit by a Katusha rocket, and, and the, the father had just put his daughter who had just been killed on a, in the ambulance. And his brother was on his way, but nobody was there. I'm a journalist, but at that moment, I'm a dad. And I just couldn't help. I just hugged the guy as he cried. Asymmetrical. They, they were sitting down to dinner. The daughter, 14 years old, had, was late to dinner. She was in her room, and that's where the rocket hit. The rest of the family lived. Asymmetrical. It's random. You don't know where it's going to happen. But Jesus said, I am right now. Wherever you are, whenever that happens, I am right 
now. See that fear is like this subsonic lion thing, you know, where the lion roars and, and it just makes the animals stop, this fear. Romans 8 says, in all these things, look at this, this is us. In all these things, Romans 8, in all these things, we are what? Come on, help me out. More than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am right now. And Jesus walks over to the tomb of a man who had been dead and speaks out, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus rises up, comes out of the tomb, and lives. Years later, well, not too much later, months later, there's this thing where Jesus comes from Bethany into Jerusalem. It's called the Triumphal Entry. It's the start of that week of passion. You know that story where thousands of people lined up and waved palm branches and as Jesus came in? Where were they coming from? They were coming from Lazarus' house. In fact, when the chief priest said, hey, we need to kill Jesus, if you look, it says also, and we gotta kill Lazarus because on account of him, so many people are coming to faith in Christ. What did Lazarus have? He had an experience. Dude, I was dead. I wasn't only dead, I was dead dead. How much faith did Lazarus have? He was dead. But he trusted his friend. Then he's in a bad spot. And Jesus showed up. When Jesus shows up, everything changes. When Jesus shows up, everything's new. When Jesus shows up, he says, I am right now. When? Right now. Everybody stand up with me. I'll be in Vietnam, as I mentioned, in a few weeks, and I want to thank My City Church for being a part of what we do around the world. I met a man in Da Nang, Daniel, in, uh, uh, last year. He's from the highlands, a lot of persecution. Uh, people were breaking the windows of their church as they're in a service, throwing dead fish in, all kinds of stuff. Police were hassling them. And uh, I said, Daniel, what's, what's been happening? He says, man, we had... Uh, about seven years ago, we started a small group. About five years ago, we got in a little building. We had 75 people. And then the persecution started three years ago. And I'm thinking, like, you know, I don't know, like an American. I'm like, you had 75, probably what, 20 now? You know, after all the hassle and persecution. I said, what's happening now? He says, well, now we have 360 people coming. Listen, you know why? Because I am right now. And they caught that spirit of faith. I am right now. Bow your heads. I'm going to pray this over you. He is right now your healing. Right now your hope. Right now the wisdom you need. Right now the victory over anxiety. He is right now the bread of life. Come on, raise your hands and receive this. He is right now a light to your path. He is right now the door to salvation. He is right now the good shepherd. Somebody say amen. Come on, bro. He is right now your answer to life's issues. He is right now the truth, the way, and the life. Victory over fear. Faith always defeats fear.
Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray the power and anointing of your Holy Spirit over this place right now. I pray healing breaks out. I pray new ways that we live life. Father, new thinking, new ideas. I pray fresh starts, new beginnings. Father, let healing rise up. Father, we defeat anxiety. I speak against stress. I speak against the anxiousness of this world. I speak against the spirit of chaos and let faith rise up because you said, I am right now. Come on. I am. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If this message encouraged you, help us get the word out. Consider sharing it with a friend, rating, or subscribing. If you want to know more about our church, check out our website at mycitychurch.cc or our Instagram at mycitycentral. We look forward to sharing another encouraging word with you next week. God bless.